are listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Now, here's your host, Lee Clamp. Welcome to another episode of Advanced Leadership Podcast. I'm so excited about our guest uh, today, a, uh, a close friend, a strong leader within the state of South Carolina in our churches. And um, I'm, I'm so excited to introduce to you Philip Pinkney. Philip hey. Pinkney. Hey, thanks so much for having me on your podcast, Lee. Now, uh, will we call you planter or pastor of Radiant Church? I guess it depends on whether I'm asking for money or not at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. A church planter's heart. Now, you planted uh, Radiant Church how long ago? About four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago. Yeah. Wow. And in that period of time, uh, you guys have seen some incredible things happen uh, down in Charleston. Uh, but before we get into it, uh, tell us about yourself, man. Tell us about your family. I know you, you're a proud dad, so yeah. tell us about it. I am. I'm a very proud dad. I've married for nine years. We just celebrated our nine-year anniversary. Wow. Um, yeah, man, I'm catching up. So I'm married for nine years. My wife, Jenny. And I have three wonderful kids, two boys and a girl. I'm a very proud girl dad. She is definitely my favorite. Um, I don't mind you telling other people that. Uh, so no, I love being a dad. It's one of my favorite things is just wrestling with the boys and having that girl just love on you and give you all the, the attention. And so I'm uh, very happy, very happily married. Very I uh, love being a dad. And yeah, born and raised in Charleston. Uh, graduated from the Citadel over an undergrad, moved to Philadelphia for a while, did the Marine Corps thing, did some business stuff, came back and planted a church. All right, when you you just spit off in like ten seconds so many different things that we need to unpack that we don't have the time for. You just nonchalantly said uh, graduated from the Citadel, which you know uh, we know what type of institution that is, great institution in in Charleston and uh, historic. Um, but but it, it you got to be tough as nails to come out of the Citadel. And then you said, uh, Naj, I was in business where I did the Marine Corps thing a while. I mean, yeah, yeah. all of that, all of that. I, <laughs> why, I dabbled. I dabbled for a few years. Why, why, why yeah. the, did the Marine Corps come right after the Citadel or did it come after the business? Unpack some of that for us. Uh, so it did not. It came. I actually went to seminary first um, and then not on a whim, but the timing was maybe not the best. Decided to pause my seminary studies and then enlist in the Marine Corps. And so it. It all made sense at the time. Looking of course back, it did. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and so it was a good time, though. It was good. I don't regret anything. Um, it seems like the first time I met you, Philip, you were talking about the Marine Corps, and you said, yeah, I went to the Marine Corps so I could learn how they lead people. That, yes. And I thought to myself, <laughs> seriously? Like, that? why story. not read a book? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I was, men's discipleship, right? You know, I, I grew up in a, in a very healthy church, and I got saved there, but... When I got saved and began to actually pay attention to the things of church, I realized, man, there wasn't a lot of places for men to be particularly invested in. Like men were the help. Like they moved chairs, they walked ladies out to their car, all good stuff. But I was super interested in transformation. And I stumbled upon the story of David's mighty men and how these people met David in this cave. They were the poor, the in debt, mm. the discontented. And then one day they became the greatest fighting force the world has ever seen that funded the building of the temple. And I was fascinated by how God transformed people the JV team into, into the A team. And so wow. um, I want to learn how men change. And so as I looked around where I could learn that, I did start at books first. I didn't jump to the Marine Corps. I did start at books. I did start to listen to things, learn from people. But I just it just stuck me, struck me, because I'm the youngest of five. Both of my brothers had joined the Marine Corps, and I had personally seen transformation. And so when I was scouring the world to try to find, figure out how God does this in the lives of men, 
I went back to my childhood memories of seeing my brothers come back different people. And I said, man, the Marine Corps has a 12-week boot camp that seems to, in 12 weeks, change just about anybody into who exactly they want to be. Wow. And so, although I did have my degree, I decided to enlist in the Marine Corps just because I wanted to be on the receiving end of that transformation to see, okay, what did they do? Um, and there's a lot of biblical stuff that we could talk about another time, but it was yeah. well worth my, my time there. But yeah, God used that time. Wow. Well, thank you for serving our country. And it seems like you could have done like a 12 week audit of the boot camp <laughs> instead of the four years, but we really yeah. appreciate you serving our country. And, and I, you know, what, what I'm, what I, and really intrigued by with your church is just the culture that you've been able to develop among your staff. You have attracted some uh, some eagles and some winners, and then you've been able to build a culture there with your staff. And I'd I'd love for you just to unpack that. Was that just accidental, or are you just kind of hanging out with with uh, with with other eagle friends, and it just happens <laughs> to be on your staff? I mean, talk talk me through yeah. your your culture of your staff. No, I think. Uh... I think church culture is one of those things that's overlooked. But if, if a pastors could give one grievance that is a persistent problem that they're dealing with in their church, it would probably boil you down to culture. Um, just how people are, not necessarily you know what you say on your website, not who you have taught your people to be, but just how they are. And I think a lot of that starts with the staff, though those people who are employed either vocationally or in a volunteer capacity to do and own ministry. And so I have been personally passionate about creating a healthy biblical culture. And some of that was from my time in the Marine Corps. Like they were very passionate about the culture and the standards. Um, some of that time was from my, my time in the business world where company culture and climate, those are important things that you know, increase productivity, or, you know, increase retainment and all those other things. And so I kind of imported into my church experience when I planted a church, all those other experiences of how important this was in some of the highest performing organizations in the world, the military included. So I started off very intentional, very passionate about creating a good, healthy culture. Mm. So, so talk th- with me now, T- tell me kind of what your, what your, um, you know, what your staff, uh, looks like, um, and, and maybe what your regular rhythms are, uh, it might help leaders who, who are, you know, in, in this world of, of mm-hmm. leading other staff. So tell me what that looks like. Sure. So I'll say what we are today. And I'll, I'll just say as a caveat, this is not where we always were. Like I said, this is a church plant. We didn't start off with tons of funds and tons of paid employees, but so we can go back to those early days later if you want. But today we have about 10 people on staff. Uh, most are part-time, some are full-time. And uh, our normal weekly rhythms are we have Mondays off. We take Mondays off as a staff. Tuesday is kind of an all-together day. Um, That's part of the application process. If you are not available Tuesday mornings from 9 to 12, you cannot work at our church. Um, Because that is the one single touch point where everybody part-time, full-time is together. And so one of the things that I believe in is not less meetings, but better meetings. And usually better meetings mean longer meetings. And so I I immediately question short meetings, right? If a meeting is 30 minutes, and it probably doesn't need to be a meeting. If a meeting is two hours and it's well thought out, then we're probably going to get something done. We're probably going to get something done. And so um, our staff meeting on Tuesday mornings lasts from about 9 to 11, 9 to 12 on most days. Um, and that's something I take personal pride in. Like I'm the one who come ups with the comes up with the agenda. I plan all the the conversation topics, and some of it is standard. So we start with a time of devotion, and so one person from our staff. So it's not always me that does it. Matter of fact, it's rarely me that does it. Um, one person from our staff does a daily devotion, and the rules are it's got to be something that God is teaching you. 
It's got to be something. They don't come in and just pull a Bible study that you find on the internet. Like, what has God been showing you in your word and your time? It doesn't have to be profound, but it does have to be personal. And so we have one person share from their personal time of devotion with the staff. And that leads to usually to a really good discussion. Um, now that person gets to pick the next person. Right? And so whoever okay. does the devotion one week gets to pick the person who does it next week. So I'm pretty much hands off when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised, Lee, that they don't want to hear their pastor do devotionals every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, my feelings were a little hurt those first couple of weeks when no one called my name. But uh, <laughs> I've learned to realize that that may be a good thing. Well, that's because you're going to do point four and five of your sermon <laughs> that, that just went three points on that Sunday. And then you're going to just always yeah. giving them point four and five <laughs> that you couldn't get to. Probably. Uh, so we start off with devotion. And then we have a time of prayer. And so I always ask the question, hey, who's bringing something to work with them today that they want to just lay at the feet of the cross, that they want to put out? And so everybody is not just an employee, is a staff member, but they're a person. Their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters. They have other responsibilities outside of the work day that we want to acknowledge and make room for. So people just share whatever's going on in their lives that week. And then I sign somebody to pray for that person during our time of prayer. Um, and we have what was called an unhurried time of prayer. And I tell folks all the time, if this is all we do, that's okay. Now, you have to back that up. You can't just say something like that. You got to back that up. So I can remember at least two times in the last year where the entire staff meeting was just prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, two and a half hours of just going back and forth, people sharing scriptures, um, our worship leader leading us in some songs. I mean, just that's all we did that day. And when it was done, we, we ended. We said, okay, guys, go get lunch. And if there's something that we need to get done, we'll, we'll make sure it happens. Um, and so, so it's an unhurried time of prayer. Most days, it's 15 minutes. Some days, it's 30, 45. And every once in a while, God just wants to do something unique in that moment. And we make room for that. So that's what I mean by unhurried time of prayer. We're not just going around in a circle, just doing it to get it done. We're really just letting the Lord speak. Um, so just sometimes there's just lots of silence, just waiting for the Lord to, to do something. Um, I'm not in a rush to end it. And so we have an unhurried time of prayer. Like I said, most days, it's you know, 15, 20 minutes. Everyone just prays for different things. And I kind of close this out at the end. Um, immediately after that, we do a Sunday review. Uh, we have a, a structured checklist of looking back at the past Sunday. Um, Sunday is not the most important thing. It's not the most important part of the church, but it is something we want to continue to do well. And so we look back at the past Sunday and we look at everything from how were people greeted and, and welcomed to the to transitions, to the songs, to even feedback on the sermon, uh, right? And so I invite feedback on the sermon, like, hey, was it well received? Was there engagement? Was there something that wasn't clear? And so I open myself up to receive a lot of that that. Cr- criticism critique as well which usually once again it always leads to really productive stuff some of our best ideas about how to connect people in the church have come out of that conversation Uh, some of our best ideas about how to do things better when it comes to sunday mornings and even staff members that we need has been born out of those conversations as you just invite people into it now some of may be asking, well, who's having these conversations? We're talking about Sunday. We're talking about devotions. Like this must be like the A team on your staff. And I just want to say this is everybody. We do this together, right? We don't think about departments or, or different ministries. Everyone is part of this conversation together and everyone is an equal member of it, right? So the, the student pastor doesn't feel less than the worship leader, even though we're talking about Sunday morning, right? Everyone gets to have a, a perspective and everyone's perspective is, is honored. So we do a Sunday review after that, uh, which once again leads to really, really good conversations. And then we just do a quick around the table staff lowdown. Like, hey, what are you working on this week? What's the, I know we have the normal things that we're always doing, but what are the top one or two things that you're working on this week? Um, and some of that's for accountability. We just wanna make sure that people are pushing the ball down the field. But a lot of that sometimes for creativity. 
when someone will say, hey, I'm working on this thing, you may know someone in the church on staff may have an idea, a way to help with that, a connection. And so we just go around the table really quick and just share uh, what are we working on this week. I do that as well. Um, I'm part of that that conversation. And then we'll always end with a, a time of learning or teaching or sharing. And so this is something that I take responsibility for. We'll just teach on something. It could be effective communication styles. It could be how to recruit volunteers. It could be talking about something that's been in the news recently, right? It was just, I mean, I'm in Charleston and, you know, the, you know racialized violence and what's happening in, in the political world. Like, these are things that our folks are thinking about. And so I may not be able to touch every church member, but most of our staff will touch more people than I can. And so if they have those questions as a staff team, I want to make sure that they have a biblical perspective on it, because honestly, their perspective is going to probably impact more of the church than mine um, is on a regular basis. And so we talk about those things. We, you know, we'll watch videos together. We'll talk about news clips together or we'll do a teaching on a specific way to grow them in their their leadership or their communication and so that's our typical staff meeting. And so that lasts from, like I said, two to three hours, depending on how much conversation there is. Um, and then we do that every single week. Mm, that's good. All right. So staff week, um, I mean, staff meeting is more than just a morning for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, that kind of kicks off the whole week. So yep. talk to me through the, the, the culture of the rest of the week. I mean, you guys, are you guys like working together in office? Are you, are you playing together? Like t- 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 yeah. unpack that for me. Absolutely. So I think work and play don't have to be opposites. They can coexist uh, okay. if you have a healthy culture. And so we have some core values about ownership and responsibility that we kind of live by. And so we're able to have a little bit of fun because people know what's expected. People know what's expected. And so for the longest time, we didn't have offices at all. We were church plant kind of using a a building that was graciously provided for us at very little cost, but it didn't have office space. And so honestly, for the last four years, we worked around white tables in the sanctuary. We'd move some chairs out the way and we'd put, you know, folding white tables out. We all kind of worked in the same place. And honestly, that was really cool. Uh, We recently have gotten the opportunity to now have some offices. And so one of the things we did to kind of retain that proximity to one another is we paired everybody up. So no one has their own office. Everyone is paired up with somebody else um, even I share an office with with somebody through the door and so we all kind of work around each other and so we try to have a a culture that says hey you're responsible to get done what you got to get done but that doesn't mean you have to hate your life doing it and so um, a lot of our staff culture starts at our hiring and so we have a culture of people who just like being around each other like telling jokes we got group chats going on all at the same time and um, so there's a lot of levity. There's a lot of laughter in the office, um, but also we've got some folks who are really focused, really passionate, and so they're going to make sure they got to get done what they need to. Well, you touched on something uh, with the hiring because uh, sometimes it's uh, much easier to build culture if you hire well. Mm-hmm. And so talk to me through a little bit of your hiring practices. I mean, you, you just meet meet somebody in the church and, and you got a spot and you want to put them into play. Uh, you just put them into play or, or do you have a process to go through? Like talk yeah. to me through how you hire well. Absolutely. And this has been something that we've grown in. Like I said, we're about four and a half years old. So how we hired four years ago and how we hired today, of course, has has evolved. But I would say hiring is for most pastors who are not church planters uh, for most established pastors they inherited a staff and so i think before we talk about hiring we got to talk about firing okay um just because like i said there's some church planters that are interested in the on the starting from scratch but i think most people are are like hey i got a staff i don't know what to do with them Mm -hmm. versus i don't have anybody i need to fill the spot and so i'll say this um this is a corporate world practice that i that i've held on to as a pastor Hire slow, fire fast. Hire slow, fire, fire fast. fast. 
Absolutely. Unpack that. Because here's the reality. Take your time to hire people. Um, have an intentional process, even if that process is just time. So an interview is today. The next interview is a week or two from later, right? Even though you could have done that same interview earlier, there's just something about time in relationships that lets you just reveal who people are. And so time is, is your friend in the hiring process. Time is not your friend in the firing process. Um, I've, I've told uh, some of my closest friends this truth, and they may not want to hear it, but um, when you have somebody who's a problem and you know that they're a problem and you don't do anything about it, now you're the problem. Hmm. That's just what it is. I mean, as a, as a lead pastor, you are responsible for the, the stewardship of resources and the deployment of disciples. And if you have somebody who's becoming a barrier to that, to stewarding resources well, or not able to mobilize disciples in a biblical way, in a healthy way, and you know about that and you don't do anything about it, now that person isn't the problem anymore. Mm. Now, me as the lead pastor, I'm the problem. Mm. And so most pastors aren't sure about who they need to fire. They aren't sure about the consequences. Mm -hmm. Who's going to leave? Who's it going to hurt? How are they going to find a job? Like, And so all these other considerations slow us down from making the hard decision, which means we now become bad stewards of God's resources. We're continuing to fund a person who's not helping us take the ball down the field. Um, now we're creating culture that's ant an antithesis to what we want um, because culture isn't what you say. Culture is what you allow. Okay. Culture is what you say. I mean, you know, in, in sports, it's mm -hmm. the same thing. If you say, hey, you know, our cultures, we're mm -hmm. going to be on time, mm -hmm. but you allow your starting player to show up five minutes late, that's your real culture. Is if you perform, you don't have to obey the rules. And so culture is what you say, it's what you allow. And when you allow someone to stay on your staff who shouldn't be, the impact isn't just financial. The impact is cultural, which may take years to recover from because people begin to assume that that's who they really are. Yeah, and I found that you know most pastors uh, will have a shepherding heart, and so they feel like they can shepherd someone in over sometimes years, sometimes decades, <laughs> uh, when when you really think of it, like we're in the life and death business. Mm. So so if we're in the life and death business, I mean every minute matters, every day Absolutely. matters, and um, and so the urgency of that, especially when you you know when you know a decision needs to be made. Uh, and you run it by, you know, wise counsel with people um, to let that continue to linger. You know, people's lives are on the line. Yeah. I think people appreciate honesty, too. Like shepherding someone doesn't mean paying them. You know, I've had to let some staff members uh, go. We transition even at Radiant Church in our short time. Um, and nobody's left the church because of it. Because I think most people appreciate honesty. You know, if you walk up to them and say, hey, this this isn't working. Right. Um, and some of it's their fault. Some of it's mine. Sometimes I just hired wrong, which led to the next hire process be a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I saw some things that weren't there or I was overly optimistic about my ability to of transform um, and change. So sometimes it's not their fault. Um, and so the conversations that I've always had is this position isn't working. We need to do something. Let's talk about what we can do together. I got gotcha. you. So you can't stay here and do this. But what's next? Let's decide together. Hmm. Um, do you need some time to transition? Do you want me to make some calls? Is there another role in the church that you could do now that you've had a seat at the table for a while? Um, so I'll say what's not an option is you continuing in this role. Hmm. That's not one of the options. Well, what is the one thing in, in hiring um, hmm. the right people? Because it's always easier to hire the right people than it is to, you know, fire the, the wrong person, obviously. Yep. Um, so, so if... If in, in your hiring process, what's different? Like, 
most people will do an interview. Uh, what's different in your hiring process? Yeah. So we do the just normal stuff, background checks, um, which once again, if you're not doing background checks about previous employees, do that. That'll save you a ton of time and, and effort. Um, but sometimes just asking the questions and who asks the questions. For example, we we do a uh, a formal inter- we'll do an interview that's one person, one on one, kind of a Zoom interview, just to kind of get to know each other, explain the position, that kind of thing. Um, but we do this interview style that you know it's kind of the America's Got Talent judge bench, um, as our SS staff calls it. But we'll put like three rows of people in front of them. Wow. And it's just one chair facing three rows of people sitting at white tables. And it's just two people asking questions and everyone else is just there to observe and take notes. Now, that does a couple of things. One is this an intimidation factor, right? You walked into an interview and you got five people looking at you. Uh-huh. Right? Um, so we we, we operate in a, in a, as a still kind of a church plant mentality. We want to move fast. We want to decide things. Things aren't going to be as clean. And so we need folks who are okay with pressure. We need folks who are okay with change. So even the structure of our interview lets us know if this person is going to work out well or not. Um, because we're not a, a 20, 30-year-old church that has really established systems. We're still figuring out about ways to reach our community, about the right needs in, internally and externally. And so we need people who are okay with change, okay with some uncertainty. And so we structure our interviews with a little bit of uncertainty. You know, We'll ask them questions that maybe they didn't expect. Uh, one of our, our favorite questions is the pineapple on pizza question. Pineapple on pizza question. That's a real thing. Is that theological? I can make a case. <laughs> I could make a pretty good case. What's the question, man? What's the question? So Give it to it's, me. It's not just the question. It's how you ask the question. It's how you so we it. are a, and this is kind of a, a shift in a little bit. We are a pineapple on, on pizza office. Okay. Right? That's that's just who we are. Pineapple on yeah. the pizza. Pineapple on. Now, we got a couple of folks that ain't there yet. The Lord is working on them, yes. right, on our staff. Yeah. but Trying to get um, saved. So we'll ask them a question. But you got the importance is you got to ask that question in between another serious question. <laughs> another serious question. So sometimes... Sometimes we'll ask something simple, just like, you know, tell me what is one of the best things about your previous manager, right? Okay. And they'll ask that kind of question, you know, okay, hey, what are the, one of the worst things about, you know, your previous management style that you wouldn't want to have again? So very serious, straightforward question. And then the key is to ask this question and don't smile or laugh. <laughs> and you just simply ask the question, does pineapple go on pizza? Yes or no? And you just silence and you just wait. And the person like starts to laugh, thinking it's a joke. And then all five people that are looking at them are like, <laughs> come on. Right. And so, of course, it is a joke. It's not a make or break question. Right. But it once again, we have so much fun. We try to tell jokes. We try to have a yeah. lighthearted staff. And so yeah. do you take yourself seriously? Yeah. Um, are you able to, to answer off the wall questions, you know, in an honest way? So usually it leads to a really good laugh at, at the end of that. But that moment of just awkward silence of, oh, they're serious. Like, <laughs> so if you're listening to this right now and you're considering interviewing at Radiant I'm giving Church, away all which my is great, your answer to the first question of what was one of the things that uh, you liked about your previous employer, your answer should be, um, he really uh, had liked pineapple on his pizza. And then you'll stump the whole team. You'll stump the whole, they won't even know what to say. They'll be throwing down, you got the job. I, I, I love yeah. it. I love so. it. I love it. Well, in hiring your staff, I mean, your 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 staff has then created a culture where uh, your church actually does not all look the same. They mm-hmm. don't all act the same. They don't all think the same. Yeah. It, so it's it's a real multi ethnic uh, church. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a beautiful picture of what we even see in Revelation. Um, and so, talk to me through the importance of the staff and how they lead. Uh, a church. Yep. So I, I've said it already today, and I'll say it again because I believe it's so true. Um, as your church grows, the my personal impact on the people at the church diminishes. 
Now, that doesn't take away from my stewardship responsibility, my the, the authority of the word through preaching and all those other things, but I just can't touch as many people personally. And so our staff, once again, these aren't just, you know, cogs in a wheel. They are owners of ministry. They are champions of various causes. They are taking ownership of the various aspects of discipleship and mobilization that we are called to be as a church. And so our student ministry is touching those students, right? Our worship ministry is raising up worshipers and disciples and all the other aspects of our staff. Like they're the ones hands on doing most of that stuff. Now, in the early days, it was me doing everything, right? When you plant a church, we have a small staff, we've got all volunteers, you know, pastor's hand is kind of on everything. But as things grow and as you delegate, you know, authority and responsibility, then you just find yourself personally touching less. So it becomes more and more important for me, for the people who are touching those aspects of ministry that are raising up those disciples that they're hearing from me. That they're hearing my heart, that they know exactly where we're going, that they're real clear on the mission, that they're real clear on the vision. And so one of those things is intentional diversity, right? We believe our church should reflect our, our city and, and by our church is reflecting of our city. And right now our staff does reflect our church. And so, um, but that was, that wasn't accidental, right? That was very intentional. And so we didn't just look for, okay, we need a, this person, we need a, that person. And just through the normal hiring process, because we involve more than just my voice and my opinion, it has led to us having a more diverse pool of candidates and a better quality of candidates. Um, we've got, I mean, I believe one of the most qualified staffs that I've ever been a part of as a staff. And we've got, you know, MBAs on our team. We've got, you know, Sigma qualified, you know, black belts on our team. We've got folks with dozens of years of experience. So we didn't have to make a compromise on the quality of the person to get the diversity of the team. Mm. And so that it required a little bit extra steps, a little bit more time, a lot of prayer and intentional, um, you know, conversations. But we were able to develop slowly but surely. Once again, this is over the over years. Um, slowly but surely, develop a team that actually reflects our church, which reflects our city. Mm, that's so good, Philip. It's been so great talking to you. And uh, if you're out there listening, um, and uh, and and you and you want to just take a break on a uh, Tuesday morning, <laughs> I, I would suggest you, you you call up Philip and see if you might could be a, a fly on the wall and actually observe a staff meeting. There may be someone else in your area that's got a church that's got actually more staff than yours. I've always found it beneficial to go and sit in on a staff meeting to be able to see uh, some things that might improve your culture uh, on your own staff within your church. So thank you so much for Philip for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to, to hearing what God's going to do through you. And, um, and we, and we thank you for, for your ministry within our state. It's been my pleasure, Lee. Hopefully some of that was helpful. Oh, so good. All right. Until every life is saturated and transformed by the hope of the gospel, accelerate the advance. Thanks for listening to the advanced leadership podcast from the South Carolina Baptist convention. This South Carolina Baptist Convention podcast is made possible through the cooperative program giving of South Carolina Baptist churches. For more information, visit scbaptist.org.